only the light of God's truth eternally can bring light and dispel the darkness. Do not negate the authority of the Word. Go back again to the basics. Go back to prayer. Go back to the Word. When was the last time you read the Word of God? Right? The challenge from the Lord is to read the Bible and to meditate on it every day. Are we doing that? Or has the internet or the TV or the news or other things taken over? It's better for your mental health and your physical health and your spiritual health if you and I spend more time in this book than with all this junk stuff that we are exposed to. Welcome to the Sunday morning service here at First Evangelical Church Glendale in Glendale, California. Let's listen as Reverend Dr. Sung Young Tan teaches from the Word of God. So last week, as you know, I uh, preached from Titus chapter 1, verses 5 to 9. And uh, I spoke on elders, godly leaders. The emphasis on Christ-like character, more than credentials, more than charisma, more than chemistry. Although it is important, gift, you know, giftings and skill sets and so on and so forth, but they are not the primary thing. I don't want to repeat my message, simply to say that uh, there are cross-references to Titus 1, 5-9, to 9, especially, uh, I did not mention last week, 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verses 1 to 13 also cover similar ground as Paul wrote these last pastoral letters to his two very special right-hand people, Timothy and Titus, as he was about to be martyred. Okay, so Paul's uh, words here are very important. Today we move on to Titus chapter 1, verses 10 to 16, and on the topic of the ministry of caring confrontation. This is not a popular topic. Many churches don't want to touch this, you know. It comes close to the whole area of church discipline. But Paul here is talking more about combating and refuting and reproving and, and standing up against false teaching and false teachers. Because in the last days, there will be many false teachers. There will be much uh, false teaching that really are against the Scriptures and the Word of God. And we're living in a day and age right now in 2021. More and more. You know, in every area of our lives, not just in the religious area, you know, the social area and the political area, a lot of, of all kinds of divisive, false narratives and so on floating around. But especially when it comes to uh, spiritual truth, Paul is very adamant and you'll find that he's very strong. He's also sarcastic today. We have to understand this text carefully, okay, and uh, then apply it to our lives. How do we follow the example of Paul? How do we follow the teaching of Paul coming from the Lord through him, especially through Titus today? The ministry of caring confrontation. And I chose my words very carefully here. I could have simply titled my sermon today, Refuting False Teaching and False Teachers, which is the thrust of the text today. But it's a ministry. It's not just a ministry of confrontation and of standing up against error and heresy. But it's the ministry of caring confrontation. We have to remember that the word before confrontation is caring. And every time we discipline or we reprove or we rebuke or we correct error, whether it is in doctrine or in life, we must always do that out of love. The end goal of correction and discipline is always restoration and renewal. We must always remember that. So the caring part, the loving part of confrontation must never be forgotten. So I choose my titles very carefully, folks. It's not just a title. It's a ministry. Ministry. That means it minister to the person who's been confronted, but in a caring and clear way. Because if we do the work and the process well enough, 
under the anointing of the Spirit, the probability is much higher that that person will see the truth. Light will come and they can repent, you see, and they can turn around and they can be restored to sound faith, as Paul says in this text. So then the end result is good, you see. It's edification, it's restoration, it's healing, it's renewal, and eventually revival in the church. You with me? So this is the ministry of caring confrontation. What Ephesians chapter 4 talks about as speaking the truth, clearly and firmly, but in love. And that's a very difficult balance to achieve. Some of us softer, you know, more tender-hearted, more introverted. We err more toward the side of caring. We hate confrontation. So when conflict comes up or error comes up or an issue comes up that needs our attention, that needs some correction, some church discipline, no doubt with love, we avoid it. That happens in many churches, by the way. I've heard over the years as a pastor in this church and, 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 and ministering to many other churches here and around the world, people telling me, you know, that the pastor just doesn't deal with this because he's too afraid, you know, it's too difficult, it's tough work, it's messy work. So what do they do? They run away. Flight response. Okay? They avoid it. And avoidance does not solve anything in the long run. That's true not only of church life and doctrine and practice. That is true also of your life and my life, psychologically speaking. The cognitive behavior therapists, the mindfulness-based therapists, and many other therapists have come up with a common guideline for effective uh, therapy. And that's the principle of exposure. That the more you are able to expose yourself to the things you're afraid of, the more you're able to embrace the pain and let it come and let it go, rather than avoid it, run away from it, and deny it, the more you will heal. The healing comes from exposure, from facing things. And pathology and pain and, and, and messiness increase when we avoid emotional and psychological avoidance, especially with rigidity and inflexibility, cause a lot of mental and physical as well as spiritual problems. Paul was not a psychologist, but he was a very wise man. And his psychology actually uh, implicitly was very, very wise because it came from the Lord. So please remember this, the ministry of caring confrontation. It's crucial to speak the truth in love. Now, of course, there are some of us who err the other way. Hmm? We have a bad temper. We have a very, very overbearing personality. Remember last week we said that we need to be gentle, self-controlled, and so on, as godly and good leaders. You know? not, not, not losing our temper all the time. Not, 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 not shouting and yelling and, and, and losing our cool all the time. You cannot lead the church well that way. There must be a self-control that comes from the Holy Spirit and yet be able to speak the truth in love. So those of us who are more overbearing, maybe very extroverted, very, very loud, okay? And so we speak the truth, but no love. We tell people off. We slap them in the face. I hope not literally, okay? And that's not good either. So how do we maintain this balance? To speak the truth clearly and firmly without skirting the issue. And yet with deep love and caring, knowing that at the bottom of it all, behind it all, is your prayerful longing and desire to see this person turn around and be restored and be rescued from error and deception of the evil one. Okay? And to be blessed and to come back to sound faith and to proper life again in the community of God, in the church, in the body of Christ. You see that? That's the context. Now let's look at the text, okay? The text, I'll read again from the NIV, the New International Version first, and then the paraphrase by Eugene Peterson, the message in Americanized English. So here, verse 10, NIV. 
Remember that before that, Titus 1, 5 to 9, you always have to look at the context of the text, all right? I just preached on that last week, right? Paul was talking about godly leaders, good leaders, who are able to teach the word well, too, you know. Why? Because. So this verse here, verse 10 in the Greek, can be translated because or for there are. For this reason, because there are many rebellious people full of meaningless talk and deception, especially those of the circumcision group. I'll come back verse by verse later. Let's go on just to read the verses. They must be silenced because they are disrupting whole households. Remember the early church met in households, in homes, by teaching things they ought not to teach, and that for the sake of dishonest gain, money. One of Crete's own prophets, and his name is Epimenides, E-P-I-M-E-N-I-D-E-S, Epimenides. One of Crete's own prophets has said it. Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. Oh my gosh, in 2021, you never talk like that about anyone. (laughs) Verse 13, this thing is true. Oh my gosh, okay, we'll come back to that later. Therefore, rebuke them sharply so that they will be sound in the faith and will pay no attention to Jewish myths or to the merely human commands of those who reject the truth. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and their consciences are corrupted. They claim, but by their actions, they deny him. They are detestable disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. Very strong words. We'll come back to that. Okay? Now let's look at the message paraphrased by Eugene Peterson in American English. For there are a lot of rebels out there, full of loose, confusing, and deceiving talk. Those who are brought up religious, Jewish implied, and ought to know better are the worst. Now these words are strong in American English too. They've got to be shut up. Oh, okay, next. They're disrupting entire families with their teaching and all for the sake of a fast buck, money. One of their own prophets said it best. The Cretans are liars from the womb, from the day they were born. Barking dogs, lazy bellies and gluttons. He certainly spoke the truth. Get on them right away. Stop that disease, disease, disease talk of Jewish make-believe and made-up rules so they can recover a robust faith, so they can be restored. Everything is clean to the clean-minded. Nothing is clean to dirty-minded unbelievers. They leave their dirty fingerprints on every thought and act. They say they know God, but their actions speak louder than their words and betray their words. They're real creeps, disobedient, good for nothings. Well, this is very strong American English. You know, I'm not sure whether the Greek allows this, but never mind. <laughs> Eugene Peterson's paraphrase is so powerful in America because Americans get it when they read this. When I read this in Singapore, when I travel sometimes around the world, and the British folks, you know, Singapore follows the British way a little bit more. Some of them don't like the Americanized English, but never mind, okay? We're now in America, so you guys get the drift from Eugene Peterson's Americanized English. Let's go back to the New International Version. A little bit more you know, consistent with the Greek here. All right, so Paul says, this is the reason. This is the reason why you need godly and good leaders as your elders, as your pastors, as your church leaders. 
and especially that they also know the word well and can teach the word clearly and refute those who are in error and teaching heresy. Four, because there are many rebellious people. Let's stop for a moment there, folks. Are there many rebellious people? I'm glad as your senior pastor for over 26 years, I'm retiring soon. All these years, have there been rebellious people in the church? Yes. Are there many? No. I'm grateful. We don't have too many in our church. There are always a few difficult people to deal with, hypercritical, and sometimes, uh, uh, um, you know, hypocritical, you know, and self-righteous and proud and so on. Yeah, there are. There are going to be people like that because we live in a fallen world, folks. But Paul is very realistic. Even 2,000 years ago, it was already beginning to happen. Now, 2,000 years later, it's happening even more. Look at our country right now, guys. And all over the world, but especially in North America now. Our country's in serious problems right now. So divisive, you know. So uh, uh, it's broken up, politically and otherwise. There are many rebellious people, Paul says. Many, not just a few. And what are they full of? Full of hot air. They're full of meaningless talk. The words don't mean much. You look behind the words, there's no substance. It's easy to talk, you know. Full of meaningless talk. And not only that, deception, false narratives, false uh, things that they're saying. Especially those of the circumcision group. And John Stott points out from some other commentaries that the word especially here in the Greek can also mean um, that is. Or namely, so, all, so we can read it this way. For there are many rebellious, rebellious people, full of meaningless talk and deception, namely, or that is, those of the circumcision group. Not just especially, but, but only. I mean, this group we're talking about. Paul is singling them out. And Paul talked a lot about this in his other letter, you know, uh, his many other letters, but the other letter on, in, in Galatians. In Galatians, mainly they were the people of Jewish faith and also Christian faith. They were Jewish believers who believed in Jesus, but added an extra condition for salvation. The Jewish believers that he wanted to, that he wanted to address and he addressed in the book of Galatians had to do with um, Jewish believers who said that circumcision was necessary for your salvation. In other words, faith in Christ is essential, but not enough. It's faith in Christ plus Circumcision. And be very careful when someone teaches you, whether in Sunday school or from this pulpit, God forbid. Hopefully we will not allow someone like this to preach from this pulpit, but sometimes you don't know, you know. And so we screen our speakers and all that very carefully, but sometimes they'll say things that are off. For example, yes, believe in Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. Have faith in Him. Accept Him as your Lord and Savior. And one more thing, you also have to do good works, you know. You've got to do this, you've got to give to the poor, you've got to serve, you've got to do all this. If you don't know all that, you will not be saved. That is rubbish. Jesus Christ only and only Jesus Christ for salvation. No addition, no subtraction, no plus anything. This group was plus circumcision, you see. But uh, uh, others, you know, John Stott points out that this circumcision group may not be the same group that Paul was talking about in the book of Galatians. This group might have been more specifically referring to Jewish people, not Jewish believers. Jewish people who believed in the Jewish faith, but not in the Christian faith. They were not Christians. It's Jewish unbelievers who emphasized circumcision, not only circumcision, but all kinds of other Jewish myths and teachings that are not in line 
even with the Old Testament. They were not emphasizing the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, for example, are universal. If they emphasize the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments will point you to Jesus because the Ten Commandments are very clear and they are universally true for everyone, everywhere, anytime, all over the world. And nobody can keep the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments show us the perfect standards of God, how holy God is, and that we fall short tremendously. John Calvin calls this total depravity. Not that there's no good in us, the image of God is in us, but there's nothing good that can save us. We are sinful, we are absolutely fallen human beings. There's no place for any pride or spiritual pride or self-righteousness. That's why circumcision is out the door. Any good works is out the door. All those things do not save you. All the things that religion teaches you, you see. Otherwise, you don't need Jesus Christ. We just need any faith or any religion. They're not all equal. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life uniquely. He's the only way. So the circumcision group here may refer to Jewish people, unbelievers, really, trying to push their version of the Jewish faith. Okay? And especially myths and other things, not the Ten Commandments. And that's serious. You know why Paul was so adamant and serious about uh, pushing back against false teachers and false teaching? Because when you allow this to creep into the church, it's like a cancer. It will grow and it will multiply slowly but surely, either subtly or directly. And it will pervade the whole church, the community, the body of Christ. And it will poison us. And slowly but surely, some will believe here, some will believe there, start criticizing the pastor, start criticizing Paul, start criticizing Timothy, start criticizing Titus. Here we're talking about Crete and Titus. And the Word of God, the Bible, the eternal Word of God begins to be compromised. And before we know it, thrown it out. If you think this is far-fetched, that's because we are in a fairly conservative, good, biblically-based church. I use the word conservative in the terms of theologically, not politically, okay? If you open your eyes, open your ears, read the religious news, Christianity Today, other magazines and so on, you will know that there are many liberal churches in terms of religious and biblically liberal. I'm not talking about, again, politically liberal. In this country and in some parts of the world. In Asia, our churches tend to be a bit more conservative. But here, I don't want to mention the denominations and so on, okay? All kinds of liberal practices, ordination of all kinds of people, okay? And, 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 and issues to do with the scriptures, not holding to the Bible as the inspired word of God, you know? teaching uh, their own narratives more than the Bible. The Bible is useful, they'll use it. It's not useful, the Bible is not the authoritative word of God. And that we have to be careful. And many of those churches, thank God in some sense, are dying. They're not growing because after a while, people find it empty, hollow, meaningless talk, a lot of hot air, deception. And those who are wise enough to read the Bible will know, hey, wait a minute, that's not what the Bible teaches. Hey, wait a minute, Jesus is the only way. Why do you say that all these other ways also work? Hey, wait a minute, you know, why are you saying that the Bible is not the word of God? Hmm, good. Then you're grounded in your faith. I hope after so many years of my preaching and the preaching of the other pastors, you've been grounded in the Word and through Sunday school, in your small groups, in your Bible studies, in your own Bible reading every day, that you're grounded in the Word. That when someone comes with false teaching, when a false teacher comes with false teaching, that you can tell, you will discern immediately. You know? And you guys, I am not at every one of the classes, I'm not at every one of the fellowship meetings, you need to let me know. 
I'm responsible ultimately as your senior pastor with the pastoral staff to shepherd you. If heresy is coming in, people coming in to creep in with all kinds of false teaching, you need to let me know. And in years gone by, I've had to go to some people and correct the teaching if it's a minor thing, if it's a major thing, not to allow them to teach Sunday school anymore. Okay, we need to protect the church. So those of the circumcision group, and it will come to some of the false teachings in a moment. Verse 11. It's important because these things affect our life as Christians and our church life as the body of Christ, okay? They must be silenced. They must be shut up, you see. It's very important. And that's why whoever pastors this church right now, I'm the senior pastor, Mike will take over soon, you know. And Mike knows the Bible well. He's well-trained with an MD from Fuller. He's getting his Doctor of Ministry degree from Talbot. It's all good seminaries, okay? And Mike will have the strong and, 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 and uh, serious responsibility together with the pastoral staff and need, they need your love, your prayers, your support, okay? To make sure that FEC Glendale continues to be an evangelical church that's Christ-centered, Bible-based, and spirit-filled to the glory of God the Father. And when there's error, when there's heresy, when there's real false teaching, it must be silenced. There's no two ways about that. My predecessor, Pastor Lowe, you know, he was strong as a preacher. He was clear from the pulpit. And Pastor Lowe will tell people off when need be. I'll try to do it out of love. But that strength in being clear and direct and consistent, you see, is crucial for a church. They must be silenced. Why? Because they're disrupting whole households. They can affect and infect whole fellowships, small groups, and Sunday school classes by teaching things they ought not to teach. And that for the sake of dishonest gain. So there are two problems here. These crazy false teachers were teaching false teaching. That's bad enough. But they were also making money from it. And in those times, the teachers, the philosophers, you know, the gurus, so to speak, you know, they will teach this and teach that for money. They'll ask for honorariums, they'll ask for money, they'll ask for things, you see. Then you don't know what is the real motivation for their teaching. But they're greedy people. Verse 12. Next verse. Okay, this is the problematic verse, right? What's the date today? October 17? Is that right? Is it 17 today? Yeah. 2021? You ever say something like that today in America, you'll be killed. You'll be cancelled. You'll be corrected. Cannot say anything that's racist. Of course not, right? Gross racism, microaggression, macroaggression. Everything's about race now. Maybe, maybe everything is not about race. But never mind about that. That's another sermon one day I'll preach on. But I'm against racism. Don't get me wrong. I'm against both macro and microaggressions. But we have to be careful. Not everything's a microaggression. A well-known psychologist, Dr. Scott Lillenfeld, who died about a year ago, a few months ago, you know, he wrote a scathing critique, reviewing the whole literature. He's a, he's a brilliant psychologist, okay? Critiquing the idea of microaggressions. We don't have enough data to support microaggressions in every area, you know? But everything now is a microaggression. Just call it microaggression, it's a microaggression. But maybe it's not. So we have to be careful, folks. Is there racism? Yes. Is there minor infringements of, of race? Yes. We have to speak up against both macro and microaggressions when they legitimately occur. Don't read it into everything. And that's a sad thing. That's why sometimes I tell stories about Singapore, my country of origin elsewhere, where they've learned to live harmoniously, multiracially, multireligiously, multilingually. Four major races, four major uh, languages, four major religions. 
We celebrate everything, Christmas too, and, 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 and the Muslim holidays, and the Buddhist holidays, and the Hindu holidays. We live in harmony. It's amazing. Cannot do that in the United States. So sad in this country. So this, right? You want to you skip this verse, right? Today, you know, you'll be cancelled, right? One of Crete's own prophets, you know, Epimenides, you know, has said this. Cretans are always liars. Evil broods. Lazy gluttons. It's like saying, what you say? All the Chinese here are always liars. Evil broods and lazy gluttons. They want to eat dim sum all the time. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> you say something like that, they'd be killed here in North America. All the anti-Asian sentiment, we've got to stand up against that. But anti-black, anti-whatever. But it's in the Bible, folks. And we have to interpret this not with 2021 eyes and lenses, but with lenses of 2,000 years ago. And N.T. Wright, a famous British New Testament scholar, tells us that there is such a thing called the Cretan liar paradox. The Cretan liar paradox. And it comes from here. Remember, Epimenides is a Cretan philosopher, miracle worker, and teacher held in high esteem. Okay? So a Cretan person said this, one of Crete's own prophets. A Cretan prophet said, Cretans are always liars. You hear that? Evil brutes. Lazy gluttons. Maybe there's a little truth to that, okay? But what does Paul say in the next verse? This is where it really stumps you, isn't it? Next verse. This saying is true. What, Paul? You're agreeing with this nonsense, this racist comment about Cretans? How can you do that, Paul? Ooh. Anti Wright says you must understand Paul is being facetious here. He's thinking about sarcasm. He's half kidding. You know? Do you see the Cretan liar paradox here? This saying is true. This guy just said, right? All Cretans are liars. That means he's lying too. And if this is true, it cannot be, you know. Paul is not saying it's completely true. It's true of some Cretans. Those who have been converted have changed. Some of them have this tendency. Certain cultures have certain tendencies. So Paul is saying, this is perhaps partially true. That's what he means. He's being sarcastic here. But whatever it is, he quoted them, their own people saying that. It's not Paul saying this about the Cretans. It's a Cretan philosopher in the uh, uh, 6th century BC who said this. And because of that, Paul tells Titus, you are going to have a tough time, Titus. These folks are strong, many of them. Therefore, rebuke them sharply. Rebuke them sharply. Be firm, be strong, but also with love, okay, implied. So that what? Again, what's the purpose of the rebuke, the discipline, the correction? So that they will be sound in the faith. Paul's heart of love is seen here so that they can be restored. They've been rescued from error, and they can be sound again in their faith, back to the scriptures, back to the Bible, back to the teaching of God's eternal word. You with me? Very important, huh? All right, next, verse 14. And we'll pay no attention to the Jewish myths, all kinds of stories and and embellishments of stuff and so on, you know, and all kinds of genealogies and names and so on, and discussion ad infinitum, on and on and on debates, and just wasting a lot of time and meaningless words and hot air. I think there's an application here, folks, just very simply. 
Don't talk so much. We all talk way too much. Start to be a bit more quiet. Listen to God more. And when you speak, your words have power, have impact, you see. The people that have touched me most are those who don't talk too much. But whenever they talk, there's deep wisdom. There's deep truth, you know. And uh, anyways, so pay no attention to Jewish myths or to the merely human commands of those who reject the truth. Merely human commands. They made up all kinds of rules and regulations. And today, there are all kinds of merely human opinions and false narratives floating around everywhere. Humanistic, secularistic, so-called postmodern, subjectivistic. We need to subject all those things to the Word of God, my friends. Do not negate the authority of the Word. Go back again to the basics. Go back to prayer. Go back to the Word. When was the last time you read the Word of God? Right? The challenge from the Lord is to read the Bible and to meditate on it every day. Are we doing that? Or has the internet or the TV or the news or other things taken over? It's better for your mental health, your physical health, your spiritual health. If you and I spend more time in this book than with all this junk stuff that we are exposed to. And then verse 15. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. So corruption here can also uh, kind of be described as in darkness. Okay, They're corrupted. Everything is, is, is mixed up and messed up. It's like walking in the dark. See, And you know, it was Martin uh, Luther King Jr. who once said or wrote, Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. The light of God's word. Only light can bring light into darkness and dispel the darkness. Darkness cannot dispel darkness. That's why when you take false narrative versus another false narrative, a lie, another lie, a deception, another deception, it will never, never resolve the problem. Only the light of God's truth eternally can bring light and dispel the darkness. Tell you a little story. Illustration. My wife keeps on telling me, give illustrations, give illustrations. So here's the illustration I thought of. I didn't ask her permission for this, but I'll, I'll say it's nothing to do with her per se, it's with me. Okay, and my time is almost up here. Silly's up. Talking about darkness and light. In my home, our home, I'm the one who turns off the light, switches off the lights. I come home, I say, why are all these lights on, honey? There's nobody here. You're in that room. All these rooms. Off, off. It comes up. On, on, on. I say, I want the lights on. So what? But she didn't grow up in Singapore like I did. Electricity is very expensive in Singapore and many parts of the world. Don't waste it. Water. Sometimes you rinse the, the dishes, you know. I realize that probably, I don't know, three, four, five gallons just wasted. Especially now in sunny California, right? The drought. I'm much more conscious now about rinsing quickly and putting it in the dishwasher. Don't rinse too much. Save water, save electricity. But there's a limit. My wife is right. Sometimes I turn on only one light and I walk around the room, you know, and I go upstairs, and the, the lights are all off, and poof, I stumble. Oh my gosh. You know. God has spoken to me many times. Turn on the light. Save the electricity, Xiang Yang, but turn on the light. And use this illustration. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that, as Martin Luther King Jr. said. Got this quotation from a little uh, card I received yesterday from, from a ministry, just in time for my sermon. It's true. So what I do, I start 
learning to be wiser. I'm going upstairs, going to a room where it's all dark. I turn on the light, forget about saving electricity. So I will not bum my, my, myself and, and injure myself and have a bruise on my knee that I have to suffer for the next three days, right? You see the point, my friends? We need light, the light of God's truth that will dispel darkness and heresy and nonsense, you see? We don't need any more nonsense. Enough is enough. Someone gave a prophetic word the other day at a retreat I was with, the Epicenter board meeting. Enough is enough. For the next few years, God's going to speak clearly and directly through His prophetic word, through His preachers, through His teachers, the truth. And enough is enough. The junk will be dispelled. The light will come and dispel darkness. But you need the light of God's word. You need to be in this word, my friend. You need to know the word well enough and to preach and teach it clearly enough and to speak the truth in love and correct those or in error. Finally, verse 16. They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny Him. They are detestable, disobedient to God and His Word, and unfit for doing anything good. Paul is very sharp here, isn't he? But Paul is under no illusion. He is a realist. He's not, you know, an idealist. He knows how fallen human beings are. They are false teachers, my friends. They are those who are unfit for doing anything good. They're disobedient, they're detestable. And if you give them any leeway, they will mess up the church. We cannot. They must be silenced, but out of love, so that they can be restored. Amen? Okay? So that is the word of God today, that we continue in this church and obey the Lord and His word and speak the truth in love and continue to stick to the way of Jesus and His Word. That's really important for us to follow. There are many other things I can say, but I think I'll stop here, and uh, let's pray. Hmm? So, dear Lord, we come to you. Thank you for your Word. Thank you for helping us to realize that we are fallen creatures. We are capable of much evil and sin and corruption. All we like sheep have gone astray. We all have gone our own way, thinking that we are smarter than you, that we have the truth when we don't. We're deceived and duped by the evil one. Eventually, it will destroy us. You love us too much for that. So you will speak firmly and sternly, but with deep love to restore us, to rescue us. So help us all to be in your word more and to share your word gently but firmly with people, that they too may come to know Jesus. So Lord, we ask you to continue to protect our church, to bless us as your people, to be faithful to you and your word, by the power of your spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. So remember, as we end, uh, we'll have a moment of silence and reflection, a few moments after I pronounce a benediction. And those of you who need prayer, just go back there. There are some prayer ministers who will pray for you. The rest of you, please exit quickly. Don't start socializing or fellowshipping in here. Just go out and outside. We'll socialize and fellowship, okay? So we have this uh, sense of God's presence and sacredness in this place. So please rise for the benediction. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, be with all of you now and forevermore. As you go forth from this place, rejoicing in the Lord and in His truth that sets you free, and being involved in the ministry of caring 
confrontation. Amen. Sing the doxology. This has been the Sunday morning service here at First Day Evangelical Church Glendale in Glendale, California. If this message has been a blessing to you, then we invite you to tune in again next week for another spirit-filled sermon by our pastors. Now that the governor of California has eased some of the restrictions regarding public gatherings during the pandemic, we are now pleased to invite you and your family to come and worship with us here at FECG. Sunday morning service times are 9.30 a.m. for the English service and 11.30 a.m. for the Cantonese and Mandarin service. Advanced registration is required, so just go to our website, www.fecg.org, for more information. Until next time, thanks for listening, and may the Lord continue to bless you.